Hello and welcome back to the Forget Me Not podcast. I'm your host, Kodiak, and I am no longer joined with a co-host. However, I have Claudia Pollock here, a local Kingston photographer, and uh, she's going to talk to us today. All right. Thank you for having me. No problem. It's uh, nice that you came on. Mm -hmm. So currently you're attending Ryerson, yeah? Yes. So I just finished my second year at Ryerson University studying their Bachelor of Fine Art in Photography. So it's a crazy year, but I'm finally all done and glad to be home for the summer. Yeah. Yeah. So um, can you just tell us like a general about yourself sort of bio real quick? Okay. Um, Well, in terms of, let's start with Kingston. I was born and raised here, um, attended Holy Cross, and then after high school went to Ryerson. um, But I guess at the end of like my high school career, I I decided like photography was kind of like the thing I really, really enjoyed. Um, I was in a specialist high skills major program in communications technology, and it's kind of like we did a bunch of everything. So like video, um, photo, audio, even like flash animation, just like a variety of things. And then um, I decided I really like photography. So I I went off to Ryerson and just studied there. But um, in terms of like what I actually do, is I work in both um, digital and film mediums and I usually do digital for like commercial stuff but then my film stuff is kind of like my more personal work. Um, I do a lot of self-portraits more recently revolving around like feminism and like social justice issues and um, yeah and I just kind of like want to bring up issues in my work if I can. That's like the goal hopefully Um, but yeah that's pretty much it. Yeah Yeah, so uh, I think I found your photography maybe about a year or so ago, and I was really blown away. I didn't by, know that. <laughs> I was really blown away by the self-portraiture, which mm-hmm. is just absolutely stunning. Thank you. And really uh, mind-boggling because you have to consider that like you're doing it all yourself. Like, mm-hmm. And upon doing my research, uh, which I like looked at all your photos ever, there's a lot. <laughs> there is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it took a long time. Yep. Uh, I actually came upon some time lapses of you making some of the initial original oh, self-portraitures. Yes, in my basement. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which was neat to see. Yeah. Uh, why do you flock so much to uh, self-portraiture, do you find? I think it's because um, when I first started just like looking at photography online, one of the first people... I really found myself like obsessed with was Christina Otero and she like just does self-portraits but how she started off was she would just do them with like window lighting in her bedroom and just like really play with like makeup and I was like I really want to do that but I think at the time when I was like watching her work I was like 12 or 13 and I didn't have my own like DSLR or like really anything to play with other than a digital camera which I still think I took now that I think about it I still think I like played like around with self-portraits with a digital camera but I don't think I can find them now but um so I really like looked up to her work and so as you were saying like the time lapses in my basement um I I bought like a black curtain and just like two strobes with like two soft boxes and um tried to replicate that lighting and then just like played around with makeup and set it up on a tripod and a self timer. And it was a very messy setup. Like it was so bad, but, um, you know, like you don't see that with the final image. It's, it's all that the final image is what matters. The setup could be as messy as possible, but I mean, that's what I really focused on. Yeah. So you mentioned specialist high skills major Yeah. and 
I've never been fully sure what exactly that is. Could you go into that a bit more? Yeah. So from what I heard, um, every high school has like a different one. And I think it might just be an Ontario thing, but I'm not completely sure. But um, the one at Holy Cross, we only had one, was um, basically in grade 11 and 12, you specialize in communications technology, just Holy Cross. And um, so you have to get a bunch of certifications. You have to get like first aid and like fall and safety training, um, like ladder safety. And you just have to attend like things around like the city that are happening that would benefit you. Like, for example, we attended like um, a film workshop at Queen's University, like during their film festival. Um, We also attended like the 48 hour film festival and just different workshops around the city. And we also um, partnered with Kojiko TV and just like filmed their events as well and got that experience. So that's like what Holy Cross's SHSM was. And I know like, for example, Rigi has like an arts and culture one, which is like completely different. Um, But as far as I know, like Kingston's only uh, ComTech SHSM is the one at Holy Cross. So uh, is that what got you into photography initially or were you interested in it beforehand? I think um, I was always interested in art, like visual arts completely, even as a kid, like obsessed. Um, I would draw a lot. But then ComTech, I was always kind of very drawn to it as well. I was like really drawn to Photoshop and especially like photo manipulation um, merged with drawing. So when I saw that we had like a specialist program in that, I was like, okay, maybe like I could definitely take this and maybe we'll see how it goes, you know, because I, I liked it. So I thought if I, if I like it and I try hard and I become good at it, then maybe it'll be a really good thing for me. So that's why I was like, Hey mom, dad, maybe I really want to do this SHSM program. So that's kind of how it all started. (laughs) And slowly, like you just became more and more invested in photography. Yeah. And how did you, uh, come to the decision that that was exactly the career path or like life path that you wanted to go down? (laughs) This is, it's going to sound so silly, but, um, I don't know if you're aware of like skills, the skills competition, but um, yeah. it's basically like um, for those that don't know, it's they advertise it as the Olympics for the work trades. So they have anything from like flower arranging to cooking to baking, hairstyling, etc. Um, woodworking, like there's just so many options. They also have photo and video and um, how it goes is they have like a Kingston competition, like here and but they also have like mini competitions in other cities as well and then when you win like a gold medal then you go on to like the Ontario competition and then go on to Canada and then there's a world skills as well um so in Kingston I won the gold medal and then I went on to Ontario and then won the gold medal in 2015 and then went to the Canada competition and um after that whole experience I was just like okay if I don't go into photography I'm gonna feel like I've blown off all that work you know like I this whole specialist high skills major program like it's really enriched my skills and um after after the skills competition I just felt like if if I don't go down this route what am I gonna do with my life (laughs) you know like I wanted to go into teaching otherwise but I mean definitely after that whole year like 2015 was such a huge year for me just growing as a person I realized you know what I'm really gonna go into photography and if it just doesn't work out then I wouldn't mind teaching it as well after yeah so uh then how did you end up choosing ryerson uh, for your photography schooling (laughs) so um ryerson was actually my last choice (laughs) which is a funny story um 
I applied to Ryerson thinking this is going to be a last resort. I'm not going to go to Toronto. Um, but like originally, like before skills, when I was applying to universities, I applied to like Queens for teaching, um, St. Lawrence for psychology. Um, and Re- yeah, Ryerson for photo. I think it was just the three schools, but, um, Queens is my number one choice. And then St. Lawrence was my second one. Ryerson was my last. But then after like the whole skills thing happened, I was like, okay, I'm going into photography. So that's why I picked Ryerson. But I guess I picked Ryerson as the only photo choice because they have a very, very prestigious school of image arts. Um, And I think it's like the oldest school of image arts in Canada. Um, And it's a very, very good school. Like they have their own building, they have great facilities. And so I thought that I would love to be downtown Toronto anyways, because like that's where the campus is. So I thought might as well, if I'm going to go into something that probably I'm going to end up working in Toronto, like afterwards, I should like live downtown anyways. So that's kind of why I chose Ryerson as like the photo school to go to. So it sounds like you had a really wide range of what you wanted to do initially. (laughs) Uh, What drew you to those other career options as well? So like I've always wanted to be a teacher like even as like a kid in kindergarten I remember like those worksheets you get and they'd be like what do you want to do when you grow up and mine like they were always being a teacher or an artist so um like so that kind of like escalated and I always wanted to kind of like teach people um so Queens was like I live at home so it makes sense to go to Queens and I'd also like love just like teaching people about I think I wanted to teach people about art, like learn art and then just be a teacher in the classroom. Um, And then psychology, I was just very, very interested in kind of like the psychology of like people and like how they think and even like observing people in social situations. Um, So I thought that would be like my second choice because I would thoroughly enjoy that as well. And I think actually what made me kind of stem away from photography at first was like the whole concept of, you know, you're not going to make any money. Like why go to the school if like, you're going to graduate and then end up struggling to find a job. I think I was initially scared of that. So that's why I kind of went towards jobs that I felt were traditionally more secure, like teaching and something in psychology. So uh, then clearly the skills competition gave you that boost in confidence yeah. that you you know what you're doing and that people validate your photographic eye. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and I've noticed that that's kind of, been I guess consistent like a relative uh recognizing of your success because you've appeared on CBC's morning show Mm -hmm. which I didn't get a chance to listen to because they didn't actually have it up yeah they don't have it up for some reason they have have the page but not the actual like audio recording (laughs) and they have other episodes up too but like just not that one so I thought that was weird Mm -hmm. I was a little nervous on listening to it though because I didn't want to like get like caught up with like that's how they interviewed her I don't yeah. want to do that so uh and then there was um a photo magazine mm-hmm. that you appeared in yeah Caprice which magazine they're not around anymore I guess I think. they're not I think yeah I'm not actually sure what happened um but it was kind of like the first publication yeah. that I was in and then there was uh two articles I think one in the wig mm-hmm. and then I can't remember exactly where the other one was. I'm not sure, but it was another Kingston news um, source. Maybe the Heritage? Maybe. Okay, yeah. Uh, So what was it like? Uh, Because you were still in high school then. Yeah. Uh, And like (laughs) you're getting 
newspapers coming and talking yeah. to you about you being a photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that make you feel? It was a little weird, honestly. Like I was, they came into like Holy Cross and they're like, hey, we're here to interview Claudia. And I was like, what's up? And they just came and just talked to me. Um, and it was, it was so weird because at the, at the point in time, like there was just so much going on. Like I had that and then I had um, like preparing to go to off to post-secondary next year. So um, my teacher though was ecstatic about it. He was like so happy that this was happening because the school was getting exposure too and his program was getting exposure. Um, but it was definitely weird. I think my friends were more weirded out about it than I was because um, they're like, well, Claudia's getting all this exposure. Like what's happening? Um, but I think... I think the first interview was probably like the weirdest for me. And then the second one was kind of like, okay, like they're just asking kind of the same things. Um, I'm getting the hang of it. Um, But yeah, I think it was like a great opportunity. Definitely. Like it's, it's definitely odd to have like that much exposure on like someone in high school. Um, But I'm glad it happened because now I've like, I've learned that, you know, how to talk to people during interviews like that. And just like that, you know, cool things happen. And then afterwards you get asked about them. (laughs) And uh, I believe it was one of those articles that ended up leading you to being able to run a workshop at mm-hmm. Javanis. Yeah. Uh, which I met you at the second Javanis Festival's mm-hmm. landscape work. Yes. Landscape right. workshop. Yeah. yeah, you got it. So, uh, but you were there as well the first year. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? Because uh, you're just like, You've just went off to your first year of university. Yeah. You get to come back home and like be recognized and trusted in this like new festival to run a workshop for people. Yeah, and I was only eighteen yeah. as well. Like I was still at, I was still a baby. Um, I'm only nineteen now, so I'm I guess I'm still a baby. But um, yeah, it was weird. I remember I was on campus like eating lunch, and then I get an email. And I'm like, oh, cool, what's this? Because it's someone I've never heard of and I didn't know about this festival. So I open it up and um, they're asking me, hey, like we we found you online and we're wondering if you'd be interested in running a workshop with us for this festival that has never happened before, but we're trying to organize it. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Like this is something I'd totally be interested in. And so I got back to them right away and I was like, yeah, like I'm so interested. So the first workshop was um, a like a portrait workshop in natural light. And then the second one that I met you was our landscape slash architecture workshop um, at Queens. Um, And yeah, like I definitely, it's something I definitely want to do like each year they have it because it was such an enjoyable experience. Like one of my goals in my career was basically, was definitely to do a workshop of some sort. So that kind of just like opened the door to kind of having my first one. Um, So yeah, I loved it. It was such a good experience. So how did you go about planning the workshop? Was there just complete freedom or did they give you sort of some guidelines or anything? They gave me complete freedom, which was great. Um, So the only guideline, I guess, that I'd really have to pay attention to was where the location of the workshop was. So, um, for example, this the most recent one we just did, um, it was like right by Queens campus. So I thought it's downtown. We have all these great buildings. Might as well use that to our advantage. Um, but otherwise, I just was capable of pitching an idea to them. And then they just basically said yes or no, which in most cases, they always said yes, because they're awesome. So, yeah, that's basically how it went. So uh, I don't want to ask specifically like what you feel your uh, 
key to your success is because like it's it's not just you it's it's everyone like around you like working together that's helping you uh be successful but like uh for other photographers and uh whatnot what do you what do you feel brings that success for you um I think that can definitely range from like person to person you know for example like one photographer's success could be how many likes they get on Instagram Mm -hmm. daily and then another photographer's um key to success would be you know opening up their own exhibition like it definitely ranges um depending on what kind of photographer you are for me I think the end goal is to be like financially stable doing what I love and that's something that a lot of people can say but you know, you really have to work hard for that. I do believe that anyone can reach that goal. You just have to be a really hard worker and you have to chase what you want to do. Um, so that's my like key to success. Like if I, if I were to be able to, you know, have a house, a family just on the income I have from doing what I love, I could die happy. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, definitely. I think it depends. Like some people just don't care about, you know, making money off of it. Some people just want to make really great work. Um, and personally I do another like goal is, um, to kind of make more work like regarding feminism. And if I can like change something or like change someone's mind about something, an issue, that's also like another goal of mine. But, um, yeah, I think from person to person, it definitely depends. Yeah. Uh, I completely blanked there. So your series, uh, actually that deals with feminism uh, the stereotypes. I think it's something sisters. Sisters of yeah. sexual stereotypes. Uh, it's really, really cool. Like and very, <laughs> yep. very vibrant and like catches your eye. Thank you. Uh, how did you come up with that idea? It's actually oh boy. So around I think January, I had looked up a lot of Cindy Sherman self portraits and um, her work and how she had a body of just like different characters that she was displaying and each one looked so different. And I thought, I really want to do something like that. Like I've never, at that point in time, I'd never done kind of um, self-portraits from say like my belly button up. They've always kind of been around my face and torso. So I kind of wanted to incorporate like more costume and kind of create like characters, but I didn't have a concept. Like I knew I wanted to kind of display myself as different people, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have an idea behind it. And then one day, for some reason, I was on a male health forum. I don't know why. I don't remember. But um, I was on there and they were basically talking about their experiences with women in bed. Um, so just women in sexually intimate situations. And the way they were describing these women were very objectifying, very degrading. And I was like, this is kind of disgusting. Um but I want to work with it. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up like reading it all and then just like Googling, just like stereotypes of like women in bed or like sexual stereotypes and like I never found like big articles or anything on it but I did find a lot of people talking about it in like forums so from what I derived I created 12 characters from this information and just kind of as like a funny series kind of like this is what you're describing us as so here it is look how ridiculous this is so that's kind of where that idea stemmed from uh, so was this for school or was this completely your own initiative? This was a school project. So for one of our final projects, um, our professor gave us free realm on what we could do. And um, I like taking school projects and making them into something I would like to show outside of the classroom. Mm. So I kind of like mended it towards that. 
So it was for school, but I think it was more for me than school, to be completely honest. <laughs> now, uh, how do you go about uh, choosing or getting uh, commercial work? I basically, I aim my commercial work towards portraiture. Um, but if, say, someone were to come up to me and be like, hey, Claudia, could you shoot my jewelry? I'd be like, yeah, I can. So really, it's basically anything that I have the capability to do. Um, and if I haven't done it before, I do a lot of research on it and then I go ahead and do it. Have you ever turned down a project because you're just not interested or? I actually don't think I haven't, to be completely honest with you. I think I've said yes to about everything that's come my way. Yeah. <laughs> so I also noticed that uh, you like you. It's not consistent, but uh, you've wrote a couple of blog series that yeah. went along with uh photography uh do you think that's something you're going to further explore or i really do want to continue that i actually have um a plan i'm working on this summer where i want to explore um kind of ghost towns in ontario and then do the same thing kind of just take a bunch of pictures and then just write a little blog post about them and i think that's just like for my own sake as well because i've always really been interested in writing like creatively and it's something that i kind of abandoned after high school and i decided that I should probably stick with this because I really do enjoy it. So that's kind of just going to be an exercise for me over the summer just to do that. I also noticed that you have like a heavy hashtag game. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try like because you have to put hashtags on the podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. I get like four. I'm like, I can I can think of like four. Mm -hmm. And then I'm looking at your it's it's just a paragraph yeah. of hashtags after like this already like <laughs> decent paragraph of like explaining the photo mm -hmm. how do you uh how do you develop this um so on instagram like i guess a lot of pictures are hashtag heavy mm -hmm. and i mean that's kind of the goal you want to, uh, people to kind of see your pictures so um i guess i start with seeing like what people are using in terms of hashtags and then just kind of bring that into a giant hashtag paragraph um and i feel like that just works in kind of like bringing a bunch of different people that are looking at different things to your work, like people that are looking at fine art to um, even like drawings to other photography to even like hashtag selfie, like people are going to see your work. Um, so I kind of, I like doing that, just like bringing a bunch of different people um, to seeing like what I'm posting on Instagram, for example. So um, what was one of the, or like what were the photographers that like really inspired you to go forth? Because uh, as a filmmaker, there's like a few uh, filmmakers that inspired me than other artists that have caused me to direct my art in a certain way. And obviously, it probably isn't just photographers that have inspired you uh, to create the look that you have. Uh, who are some of those? So in terms of just photographers, um, Christina, Christina Otero, who I already mentioned, um, Nan Golden. Um, her work is mostly documenting kind of like youth um, in social situations, mostly parties, um, which I really, really do enjoy her work. And right now it's definitely Cindy Sherman and her self-portraits. I'm always looking at hers for um, inspiration. Um, but also I'm inspired by one artist, like musically, a lot, um, Rena and the Diamonds. I know she's like, she's like new to, I guess, not that new to the whole music scene, but um her album, Electra Heart, was she just created this character for the, her whole album. Um, and it was basically like everything she wanted to be but never was. And I was like really drawn to that. Um, and it just, I don't know, like anything 
that anybody that creates kind of like a character that they just completely become um, is really fascinating to me. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I guess I'm just like mostly inspired by photographers. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the age-old question, mm-hmm. are you a Nikon or a Canon user? I am a proud Nikon fan, but I understand the whole dilemma. I understand um, the fight between the two, but I personally think that I do not have a problem with Canon or Pentax, Fujifilm, et cetera. I think that they're all the same medium and it doesn't matter because if you gave me like a four by five camera, like a film camera, I could probably shoot the same thing as a mm-hmm. Nikon or a Canon, et cetera. So I personally will choose Nikon, but like I don't have a problem with any other camera. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same. Uh, really like as long it, as I can get it to look good, I'm happy. I just like the user interface of Canon, but that's obviously yeah. cause like I, I started on that. Yeah, they're basically just like the vessels to your image, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like how you operate them. Um, but yeah, the same, if I use a Canon, everything seems backwards to me. So I tend to stick with Nikons now. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned earlier that, uh, you, you just try and like put yourself into your work and I've noticed, uh, through your Instagram that you are clearly a, a night owl cause there'll be, <laughs> there'll be posts with your photos saying like, is anyone even up at this hour? Yeah. Uh, so do you think you get more creative at night or is it just that you've been working so long and you just happen to finish? I think it's a bit of both. Um, definitely before my second year of university, I was a night owl hundred percent. I would like sleep in till like lunchtime and then go to bed at four. But I was like being creative. Like I was just like <laughs> doing stuff late at night and you know, like my parents were asleep. My sister was asleep. They didn't have to bug me about what I was doing. Like they didn't have to come into my room and be like, Claudia, why is all this makeup on your face? And mm-hmm. then I wouldn't have to explain it to them, although they knew what I was doing. But um, so I definitely would work really, really late, especially if I like in high school, I would end work at like 6 p.m., come home, eat dinner, do homework. And then by the time I was done, it was 10 o'clock and I still wanted to do something. I was still very inspired. So after 10 p.m., I would just like go straight to photographing myself. <laughs> and that kind of kept going into first and second year. Um, but then it's kind of died down now. I'm actually more of a morning person. And I think that's just because of how my schedule is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I'm still much more creative at night. There will still be times where I have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning to make it for a 5.45 a.m. shift. But I've been up till like 3 a.m. doing something because I just could not stop. So... Uh, it seems like you would probably have an interesting perspective on what is being called selfie culture, yeah. especially because like the amount of self portraiture, mm-hmm. which somehow like they're the same thing cause they're both self portraits. However, there's a clear distinction culturally and like views from society. on Yeah. Them. Yeah. No, I, I love selfie culture. I love it so much. So I think self-portraits have just evolved. I think like selfies, self-portraits, they're the exact same thing. Um, I just think that we now shoot with a different medium, which is our iPhones and our Samsungs, et cetera. But they're they're the same thing. You know, they're just like documenting ourselves. Or I've seen some selfies on iPhones that are very, very artsy because people know that, you know, this is a medium and I can use this to my advantage. So like I, I don't think that selfies are worth less than self-portraits i think that you know they're the same thing and they're they are a documentation of yourself whether or not you want it to be artsy or not um 
and yeah, I just, I just love it. I just love how it's evolved and I want to see it go further. Like once we get like, I don't know, like a new, a new cell phone that's completely different or like we can make 3D images. Like I love to see that, like where selfies are going to go in the future. Cause I just think it's awesome. So, uh, in my visual literacy class, I had to read three articles, uh, and two of them dealt with selfies. Uh, one was by Richard. Uh, one was about Richard Prince. I don't know if you know who that is. I've heard the name. Uh, he's a controversial artist slash photographer mm-hmm. who takes other people's work and will photograph them or crop them and like remove something. Uh, for example, for example, he did the Marlboro Man. Mm-hmm. and cropped out like uh the border of it and then like sold it yeah and for selfies he was going on instagram taking people's uh selfie photos usually women and he would then block the people put his comments in so that they would come up to the top and it'd be all these like stupid sort of esoteric uh comments and then he'd sell them and not contact or uh, get the permission of these people at all. He would just take them, sell them for like a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, what do you think about that? Was he the one that showed them in a gallery? Yeah. Yes. And okay. People were like, I'm not moved by this. this yeah. Is just- yeah. So I definitely we discussed this in one of my classes, and um, yeah, I think that I don't know why, like, what his motive was behind that. Because I don't know how he could do that and not tick people off. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what his goal was. Maybe that was the goal to see if he could do it and then cause a whole controversy. Um, but I mean, like, did he get away with it? Do you know? Like, did he? Yeah, like people, because he has a name behind him. And yeah, like some people uh, asked for a photo. Mm-hmm. Some people were like, yo, what the fuck? Others were just happy to be featured because they're struggling artists Mm -hmm. and to have any exposure was just nice yeah um but i had so much trouble we had to write a response essay to that and i was getting so mad yeah because i just didn't i I felt like he was a hack even though like what he was doing was like had some sort of artistic intent and um, i felt like if art moves you then like Or if a thing moves you, it's really art. And that also art is just a skill. So it took some form of skill for Mm -hmm. him to do it. And I was trying to like argue against it and like for it. And it's just, I hate it. I hated it so much. It just caused so much conflict in me because I I don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. But I also agree with it at the same time. Because I think for people to say no for you to use uh, a piece of art really limits uh, new creativity. For example, like with uh, rap music, uh, like samples, people can say no to you sampling their mm-hmm. song, but like you're now making something new. So really, like it, I feel it should be allowed because you're just stifling making something good. Yeah, no, I can definitely see both sides of the argument. And um, you could also argue that it's an archive, you know, like, is Instagram going to be around in the next 20 years? You could argue mm-hmm. that he did it to kind of have an archive of people that posted these images and how we interacted with each other online. 
But then you could also argue that he didn't, you know, get their consent. Um, and he's not really putting a lot of his own personal work into it at all. Like there's no personal creativity on his part um, other than mounting it in like a gallery and exhibiting it. So you could definitely argue both ways. Um, I liked how it is an archive and, you know, in 50 years, I'd like to look back and see it as like, yeah, I remember how I communicated that way through Instagram. But I think he definitely should have been in contact with the people who he took the images from because some people like, you know, he was selling them for so much money. And like, I imagine I would be ticked off. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's like your picture. But then he just added like, you know, the whole Instagram template and his comment. And now he's selling that work. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd I'd kind of be a bit bit ticked (laughs) off on that. (laughs) Uh, So how do you feel about Instagram in general, though? I... I love Instagram. Um, I think that Instagram can be dangerous and I think that it can be a bit inspirational. When I say dangerous, I mean that it's really, really easy to fall into kind of the cliche trap. And I mean, like what I mean by that is a lot of people, I don't know, like especially a lot of people who photograph like rooftops, for example, their feeds look the exact same, <laughs> each person to person. And it's it's great. You're all doing a very, very similar thing. It's a movement. But, I mean, it's so easy to see something and then just, like, see that it's getting a lot of likes and seeing that the person has a lot of followers and then wanting to be like that just for the sake of the followers and likes. I think that there's a clear difference between seeing an image and wanting to mimic it and put your own twist on it because you think it's good creatively and you want your work to kind of mirror that. But then it's different when you just want to make it similar because you see that person's getting a lot of traffic. You see they're getting a lot of likes and followers and comments. And I think that's when it can be a bit dangerous because then you fall into what people, other people are doing and stuff that's already been done when you could be just doing your own thing, you know? Um, But I love Instagram as a platform. Um, I wish that it would, I don't know, I wish that it'd be larger if that makes sense because like in terms of like photos because like you look at it on an app and the photos are so tiny Mm -hmm. when they could have much more detail and like even if you look at it on your desktop, like they're still very tiny images. I wish that there was, I don't know, something like maybe like a different app that had um, bigger images that you could actually zoom into and properly see the amount of work that the artist has put into there. Um, Instagram so yeah I love Instagram though I think it's like amazing to share everything with friends and people you don't know so I've never posted on Instagram really yeah oh boy (laughs) Uh, but I have like six or seven followers Mm -hmm. it bothers me to no end because I'm like I don't post anything yeah I clearly haven't posted anything ever and I still somehow get new followers and it's not just bots it's like my friends I'm like what are you doing stop well like it's not gonna happen <laughs> do you use instagram like to view work at all no actually no. i don't i was going to at one point start posting stuff there uh but it's a hassle because mm-hmm. i don't use my phone yeah so i'm just gonna like keep the conversation going because i don't that conversation's done uh my mom came down and interrupted so all good yeah. Uh, so I was going to, I wanted to ask, uh, what do you think about the fact that everyone can be a photographer now? Like just with the, uh, how technology is like just anyone can go out and 
call themselves or charge for photography. Uh, some people I know, like it definitely causes them strife because they're like, oh, well, anybody with a 50 mil can go out and like call mm. themselves a photographer. But like they're like, there's something there that might be missing in their mind. And yeah, like what are your thoughts on it? I, <laughs> I get very angry <laughs> um, <laughs> when people, you know, buy like an entry level DSLR or even like a full frame and they don't really know what they're doing and they're charging for their work. And it just it makes me a bit mad um, when, you know, they don't really know how to edit without blowing out the highlights or making the black so black that there's no detail. And they're charging people for this work. And it looks like absolute crap. Like, I've seen so many people do this. And I, if I'm talking with them in person, I will call them out on it. But if it's like on social media, I'll be like, well, it's too late now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that anyone can call themselves a photographer if they're working more within like an arts-based kind of perspective, like a fine art thing. Because like really like anything, anything is art. If you argue yeah. it as art, anything is art. So I think that's completely okay. I think it is not okay when you are charging people for your work as a professional, professional, um, when you really aren't, when you don't really know what you're doing. Um, You may know how to like control the camera, but in terms of like editing and oh my God, especially if you're giving away JPEGs as a final (laughs) image instead of like TIFFs or um, shooting in raw and then converting to JPEG, that ticks me off a little bit too. Um, So I think that yeah, so anything like in an arts perspective is fine. But then if you really don't know what you're doing and you think, oh, I have this fancy DSLR, I can now charge for my work. Let me post an ad on Kijiji. I think, no, like settle down, <laughs> maybe educate yourself a little bit first and then kind of charge your clients once you are absolutely confident, you know what you're doing. Maybe even get some feedback from your friends who have worked in the industry. Just like don't think you can suddenly charge commercially after you've received this pro looking camera. Uh, so how was it for you starting to get into uh, commercial uh, photography and like actually charging for work? Because I found for a lot of artists, it's difficult to like make that claim and like put your foot on the in the ground like and be like, nah, you got to pay me like or I'm going to be charging or whatever, uh, because it's terrifying and people don't really respect the arts as a medium that should be paid. It's not viewed as a trade even though it, it really is it's a skill that you have to develop you have to put money into the equipment mm-hmm. so uh yeah what was that like i i started charging after i got enough portfolio material that i felt confident enough to just start charging people um and i never really had someone kind of battle with me in terms of pricing um until very recently just because i had to add the cost of transportation and um, so the price is just a bit higher. But I think that if you really kind of show them how much work goes into every image and show them your portfolio and show them like how much experience you've had shooting the specific subject, um, they really respect that. And even just like I find having a conversation with them, kind of getting to know the potential client and just being very friendly, they're more likely to pay you. Um, whereas if you're just like, Hey, I'm just like this photographer from Kijiji, like pay me. Um, I think just like definitely getting to know them and building a relationship definitely helps because then you can continue to work with each other in the future, work on projects, whatever they need to have happen. 
you can like build that relationship and I think that's a very very important thing in terms of kind of like creating a client base uh how have you dealt with ageism ageism like people thinking I'm too young yeah like because like uh being young people will think like you don't know what you're doing Mm -hmm. or really like you're just you're not serious about this you're just like dabbling in it yeah uh so i haven't dealt like had a lot of serious issues with it but i've definitely seen it and i i know it's a thing that mm-hmm. affects people uh have you had any problems with it oh yeah definitely like 100 percent. um especially being like a young woman <laughs> behind mm-hmm. the camera um that is a struggle in itself um but i think that kind of like the same thing I just if I sense that they don't want to work with me because of my age um I continue to just talk with them and just kind of like know them personally and just like let them know who I am as a person and then they're more likely to kind of trust me behind my work um and then or I'll continue to kind of show them like what I've done or talk about what else I've done and um I'm hoping that I can you know come across as professional with them and um definitely let them know that I know what I'm doing and that I'm going to work hard to deliver whatever product you want. And I think that definitely tends to kind of like calm their nerves and like make them trust you. And I think trust is very, very important. And I think that solves like a lot of ageism issues in terms of like working with me. Um. So what would you say your favorite photograph you've taken is? Oh, dear. My favorite one. Because I think I know which one is my favorite of yours mm-hmm. that I found. Oh my goodness. Okay. I've never actually thought about this. I've taken way too many um, because there's such a huge range. I think, I think my favorite one ever would definitely be one of my um, Sisters of Sexual Stereotypes portraits, The Hopeless Romantic. And that's one where I'm basically all dressed in pink and there's like a pink background and I'm wearing pink and I'm in like a blonde wig and I have like it was right before Valentine's Day so Mm -hmm. I have like these like heart necklaces and like a heart headband and like a heart bracelet and it's very kind of like Barbie like bubblegum and that's like not me at all so I thought that like looking at that person it looks completely different and I was so satisfied with it. I was like, this does not look like me. I showed my mom and she's like, you look at, you look like Katy Perry. And I'm like, what do you mean? I look like Katy Perry. Um, so I think, yeah, that's one of her favorites too. And it's definitely my favorite just because um, I was, I found myself successful in making sure that that did not look like me and that I look like a completely different human. So, yeah. 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 I uh, like, I've really found that in your work, you're, manage to just craft yourself into all these different looks so well that when I've shown other people your self-portraiture they're like this doesn't look like the same person like whatsoever I get that a lot (laughs) it's it's just like it's cool like it's really fucking cool (laughs) thanks um so yeah my favorite photo of yours uh I found it on your Flickr and I don't know what it was I like spent like at least maybe five minutes just looking at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it's just just some random ground that you took some, a photo of. But it looks like the topography of like an island. Like you're really high up mm-hmm. and like looking down and there's like these different islands. And it's just I don't know what it was about it, but it just really? <laughs> it, it completely captured my eye. Mm-hmm. And wow. I just I couldn't stop looking at it. 
That's cool. Good. Um, yeah, I haven't posted on Flickr in a long time just because I've, I don't know, I've kind of just been posting on just Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Flickr I haven't necessarily abandoned, but like maybe I want to start posting on that more than I should be. Um, but yeah, I think Flickr I use more for like film work and um, kind of landscapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, how have you felt? Because uh, you started out, I'm assuming, on digital. Yes. Uh, how was the transition to film? The transition was weird. I felt like the stupidest first year ever coming into Ryerson. So as someone who had never worked with film before, even in high school, like we removed our dark room in our high school. Like we did not have a dark room. Instead of a dark room, we had like a like a studio with strobes, which I liked a lot better, but I wish I could have been exposed to dark room. So I would at least kind of know what I was getting myself into because the entirety of first year at Ryerson photo was basically work with film, know how to use it, or else you fail. So (laughs) I didn't even know what a negative was. I was just so mind boggled. Oh my goodness. And then like, I knew, you know, basic like camera manual settings. Like I knew how to all like do that and then work with a camera manually. But when it came to negatives, I was just like, wait, what's a negative? And then my friends would be like, you don't know what a negative is? Like, it's the roll of film that you put, like, in the camera. I'm like, oh, like, 35 millimeter. Okay, I know what that is. But we were not working with 35. We were working with 4 by 5 large format film that was huge and expensive to buy and just, like, get done. So coming into first year, I was like very very overwhelmed like if I I have such a great group of friends though if it weren't for my friends in first year I would probably fail like I did not approach the prof I was afraid of approaching my professor and being like hey I don't know what I'm doing because I thought I'd actually get laughed at because everyone was so so good coming into that program like people knew what film was people knew they they grew up with film and then I was like I felt like the only one out of it that like grew up just on digital and then there was a moment where I was like, what am I doing? Like, am, if, have I completely overlooked like what I wanted to do? But yeah, my friends just kind of like kicked me in the butt and they were like, OK, you got to learn how to do this if you want to pass first year. So ever since like four by five, I've fallen in love with film. And thankfully, I'm so, so happy that I have the friends that I do because they definitely pushed me to learn film and work with it properly. Do you um, find that there's potentially just like this uh feeling among especially the like older generations uh not letting go of film and fully embracing digital and going forth with that uh like where do you stand on this film versus digital debate i think that film will always be the better quality like a hundred percent um film just delivers such a beautiful like quality and aesthetic that digital will never be able to deliver maybe with like a lot of editing but film it's like you don't have to touch it like maybe just dust it a bit and like you're golden color correct it and it's it's beautiful like the image is there for you you don't have to do a lot to it at all like I do so much editing on my digital files than I do with film Mm -hmm. film it's just color correct dust it and it's done because it's all there for you and I think People should definitely learn how to shoot film if they want to develop as a photographer and go into it as a career. Um, I just think it's so important. And I think there's definitely a resurgence in film right now. Like so many people are just like getting back into it. It's all the hipsters that are. Um, I think, but I think that's wonderful. I think it's so good because then it's like you get all this exposure to, you know, such an older process and that's dying right now. And I think that if it doesn't die, 
And that's, that's great because I'd love to, you know, I'd love to go into a gallery that's just like people here in 2017 shooting on film, like young people. I think that'd be so, so cool. So, uh, do you go to a lot of galleries in your spare time? Uh, or do you kind of like do your work and like, don't fully invest yourself in, uh, like, you know, the photographic community? It's really funny that you say that because I'm I'm really bad with that. I will focus more on my own work than go and see other work. And I think that I should definitely change that because I think viewing art is just as important as making it because then you're constantly being exposed to good art, you know, art that's worth being in these exhibitions that people have worked so hard on. And it's so good to just like take that all in and then kind of put it into your own work, like what you like. So I think that... This year, I definitely did a lot more of that. Like, I just went to more exhibitions and just, like, kind of viewed everything, observed it, analyzed it. And I think that's something I have to definitely work on more because, like I said, it's just it's just as important, if not more, to keep looking at work. You've had your work in a gallery or exhibition, correct? Um, a few. They were yeah. kind of, like, smaller ones, yeah. but, like, just a few, yeah. Um, and, and that was cool. I had um, a grid of mine, so... Um, it was just kind of in the back of this, the small gallery and it was just like a grid of like images of me, but just like of over a series of, I think 16 images in one giant print. And that print is really, really big and it was very expensive to make, but I love it. It's probably one of my favorite pieces of work. Um, it's called a performance of femininity and, um, yeah, that was in two, two shows and I only went to the one cause the second one, I think I was like out of town. Um, but then I got it back and I really want to like show that one in more galleries because I think that's probably more like one of my more fine art pieces than commercial. Yeah. So what do you do with all your prints? Do you like store them or like do you have them on your walls and everything? No, I keep them off my walls because it is so weird just looking at myself. <laughs> um, could you imagine just like a bunch of portraits of me just like staring at myself? Like if I were to wake up in my bedroom and just like be like, good morning, me. Um, that'd be weird. So <laughs> I, right now they're, um, the smaller ones are in a black portfolio just kind of stored right now. And then my big roll prints are just rolled up in plastic, just stored away. And, uh, do you sell your prints? Like, uh, as a thing, I don't know how this photography yeah, stuff so, works. Yeah, so, um, I do sell my prints, but not publicly. Like mm. I won't sell them until someone approaches me and, asks to purchase one which has happened this year but um until I figure out how I want to um I guess present my work as a print I won't start selling them so yeah. for example um someone recently purchased um a performance of femininity but it was like a smaller version of it because originally that print is like 30 inches by 40 inches big and no one's going to purchase that that I know of maybe sometime in the future, but, um, uh, they wanted to purchase like a smaller, like 11 by 14 version. So I just had to manipulate the image to kind of fit that and then decide how I wanted to frame it too, because I don't want to give just the print to someone. Like I want it to be framed in a way that I, I agree on, I guess that I'd like it to be shown. Cause like, I have no idea who they're going to show it to. Yeah. So I want it to be kind of like how I would like it to look so until I figured all that out I'm not gonna sell anything publicly but I mean hey if anyone wants to buy anything from me just you can ask <laughs> so basically like you really want to be able to control the consistency and the, the view of your brand like mm -hmm. every piece of that's out there you want to make sure that like it is reflecting what you want yeah pretty much yeah 
uh how how has that been like because you're you have created yourself as uh, a photographer and you have to create a brand and an image and a tone that goes with that and do you feel that has been mostly just you like being true to you or has it been an amalgamation of trying to create this professional like separate entity almost as well it's been it's been very weird um so definitely the number one thing I want in my branding is like professionalism and then just after that I guess just an openness and just like a friendliness um but I also want to be known as an artist who's constantly making work so I guess it's kind of tough like for example my Instagram I'm so so strict on what I post on it um and how it's posted like I want consistency um I don't I never post anything that's not taken off of a camera on my Instagram even though there's some times where it's like hey someone took like a really cool photo of me on like an iPhone like at a show or even like an outing or like it's my friend's birthday and I really want to post that on my Instagram but I find myself that I probably shouldn't because my Instagram is more of like a portfolio than um like social media if that makes any sense so yeah I guess like branding it's like you always kind of have to be careful because you have to remember that there's people constantly looking you up and you kind of need to have a consistency in just who you want to be represented as if that makes any sense so that's always in the back of my head whenever I post anything online um so I think you've updated your logo like since the year like that I found it originally Mm -hmm. like uh how did you go about creating that? Because originally it was just a, it was like a camera, I believe. Yeah, like, it was like a purple and blue camera mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that I created in like Corel 7. Um, not even like Adobe Illustrator, but yeah. So I decided to kind of rebrand everything um, to kind of just make it more black and white, just crisp and kind of just simple and minimal. Um, and I just made that decision because I didn't really like the logo I made back in high school. And I was like, I feel like I can do better. And I was also printing business cards at the time. And I was like, okay, what, what kind of color scheme or lack of color should I have on this business card? So then when I made it, I just rebranded my Facebook page to kind of reflect that. Mm -hmm. Well, um, before we finish off, I want to like give a chance for you to sort of like, uh, talk about maybe something else other than photography like Mm -hmm. give people an idea of like who you are as just like a person uh so like what are the things that you're interested in and like do in your spare time (laughs) or like whatnot Uh, yeah um I guess more recently this summer um one of my self projects I want to do is I want to publish a book of poetry um called Cookie Monster and I'm not completely ready to kind of discuss what that's about yet but it's definitely going to have um, themes of just like addiction and struggling mm-hmm. um, with certain themes. So I, I really want to write that for the summer and kind of make that one of my projects. Because like, as I mentioned before, I want to focus more on creative writing as well. And yeah, like I guess one thing that people don't really know about me is that I, I really do enjoy writing. Um, and I think, yeah, it's definitely something I want to build on. Um And I guess just like another thing, another cool fact is I'm really into video games, which Mm -hmm. people don't really expect either. They'd be like, what do you mean you have a PS4 in your house? I'm like, okay, 
first of all, PS4 is not that rare to have in your house, but okay. Um, and <laughs> if I didn't want to do photography, one of the things that I wanted to do that I didn't apply for was video game design. At yeah. Sheridan, they have a bachelor. So I was like, I definitely want to apply to this. But I didn't because I don't know why. I should have, but whatever. Um, yeah, that's another thing that people don't really know. And I would always like draw video game characters like mm-hmm. out of memory and just create my own. Um, I have this thing with characters <laughs> and just creating people. Um, so yeah, like even like growing up, like I loved uh, playing like Sly Cooper and Spyro and Jack and Daxter on like the PS2, just kind of like the really cartoony um, games. I was definitely a Sony PlayStation person. Um, and yeah, just like if you, I can chat about video games for a long time. So it's something that people don't really know. So um, that and creative writing and photography, I'm, I'm all about that. <laughs> So uh, how long have you written poetry? Um, I've actually very, not very recently at all. I, I've always written poetry like in high school, but I never took it seriously until two years ago. I had a Tumblr where I just write poetry for just like no reason. And um, I've always enjoyed spoken word, but I've never performed it. And I'm thinking maybe that's something that I want to get into, but maybe not. I'm not sure yet. Um so this summer I was like, you know what? I have all these random poems that I've written down in my iPhone notes. Like I would just like come home really late at like four in the morning. And my mind was in that creative mindset that artists usually have late at night. So I would just like write down stuff in my iPhone notes. And then I think after school one day I was just like looking through all my notes and I was like, I have all these poems that kind of revolve around a central theme. Why don't I just try and put them into a book of some sort? So I think that's what I'm going to do this summer. But I have like a bunch of other really angsty poetry from high school that I'm probably never going to show people because it's it's embarrassing. But yeah, it's it's always it's always been in the back of my head. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I know exactly how you feel with the uh, coming home late and like writing a poem. Yeah. Uh, one of the poems that I adapted into like a short I wrote when I was drunk, like I got home. Yeah, no, I do that too. <laughs> I, I got home and I like opened up my laptop, which is never how I write poetry at, mm-hmm. like as well. So it was like a really weird experience. And I wrote about like someone picking their nose. Yeah. And then like we went and filmed it and it was really yeah. fun. But uh, yeah, so video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, PlayStation is a good choice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, what's your favorite? Like, so I mean, like you mentioned uh sly and jack and mm-hmm. spiral yes yeah, spiral mm-hmm. that's it's disappointing to be honest like skylanders how, yes nope <laughs> i'm so mad with what they did to him he did I, not deserve skylanders i loved Repto's rage as a yeah, child right yeah and then like they just made skylanders and I'm just like, but skylanders is so successful that it's yeah. a bit disgusting like they have their own netflix movie now and mm. i only know that because i watched it <laughs> like what is this and I started watching it and I guess I was like cooking at the same time so I just didn't turn it off and then by the time I knew it it was over and I was like wow did I actually just watch that um but I actually bought the first Skylanders game thinking that it might be a good Spyro game and I was wrong I hated it I know there's sequels I don't want to play them um I definitely love Dawn of the Dragon the most it was like I think it was the second kind of remake they made of Spyro. It was like the first one they made on PS3, but that was my personal favorite. But the classics, you can never beat the classics. Mm. Yeah, like I wish that with Skylanders being so successful and having already used uh, Spyro's clout to do that, Mm. that they would remove him and like 
do something cool. Mm-hmm. But they also added Cinder in Skylanders as well. And Cinder was like um, the dragoness they added in Dawn of the Dragon and that whole trilogy. Um, so I guess they can't really remove them now, which I wish they had left Cinder out because, you know, she's not even from the classics. She's mm-hmm. from like the the second remake. So I don't I don't know why they added her in there, but I think they're just not going to take him out now. Like he's such a, I guess, just like the face of Skylanders now. So I guess they can't take him out. Yeah, it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited for that Crash reboot or not reboot, uh, remake. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be fun. There was supposed to be a, a Sly Cooper movie coming out in 2015, but recently I just like went online and I was like, whatever happened to this? Because it did I not come out. test footage yeah. maybe like one or two years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it might still be in development, but I, I don't know. I'm really not sure. Because their, be. their marketing team has completely abandoned their Twitter. <laughs> like the last tweet is like from years ago. And it's like, if you were still making this, you'd think that their marketing would still mm. be on it. But they're just not. <laughs> they might be rethinking after the Ratchet and Clank movie just like bombed. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing that they're going to be like, eh, why bother? <laughs> and like video game movies in general just not being successful. Yeah, I ever. know. Yeah. But I think with Jack and Daxter, did you play Jack and Daxter? No, but no? like I'm planning on eventually playing it. I I thought it was always interesting because Jack and Daxter had this strange parallel with uh, the Prince of Persia trilogy. Really? Of, <laughs> yeah, because like the first one, I think the main characters, uh, they're just like you know, like they're they're more kid friendly, and yeah. then the second one, they get this like darkness to them, like they start doing some real sketchy shit, <laughs> and then the third one. Uh, they actually get dark alternate versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. And they were both really big uh, PlayStation or like sort of PlayStation oriented games. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was always interesting, but I would play Prince of Persia and never got to play Jack, but I was always interested in it. Jack is probably hands down the best video game storyline I have ever played. And there's so many people that will agree with me on that. It's like crazy because there's some like time travel action going on and it completely changes the storyline in the second game and it's like whoa like it blows your mind so many times um but yeah no you're in luck though because they're actually making um like a jack and daxter um like not reboot but like their playstation 4 remaster yeah remaster yeah yeah, that's the word i'm looking for and you know when they usually do that that means there's gonna be another game coming out so fingers crossed because like that game was like my childhood i probably should not have played it with how young i was when like they had guns and stuff in the second game but like i was i was completely fine with it (laughs) yeah no i was looking at that because uh back when they were doing all the initial sort of like re-releases on the ps3 i was really tempted to get it but i didn't end up picking it up Mm -hmm. and like i don't really jump back to my older consoles i'm just yeah full steam ahead so with it being re-released on playstation 4 i'm super excited mm-hmm. it's gonna be fun you should definitely play it it's definitely one of like playstation's most successful series ever it was so good and i like naughty dog so. yeah naughty dog is great <laughs> but uh yeah so thank you so much for coming on and chatting uh what are your plugs my plugs <laughs> cool plug time all right so um, you can follow me at claudiapollock.com is my main website and I'm always updating whatever I'm doing on there. 
And uh, my Instagram is Claude Slur. So it's actually Claude DSLR, like the DSLR camera. So C-L-A-U-D-S-L-R. But my friends have just like nicknamed me Claude Slur now, which is like kind of weird, but I'm into it. So um, you can follow me on those. And that's pretty much it. I don't really have like a Twitter, like I have a Twitter, but like I don't use it. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so follow me on those platforms. Those are the platforms I'm most likely to post on. Those links will be attached. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening. Cool. Thanks everyone. <laughs>